really accomplished something, you really earned something. And that can never be taken away. So yeah, the, the energy of New York City, the energy of the marathon, uh, no matter how fast I run it, whenever I finish, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I started something and I got to finish something. And I didn't cheat along the way. I didn't take the shortcut. I didn't take the easy way. I took those great miles that feel like I'm flying. And also I take the ones that hurt so much. Both of them I take in stride. Hi, Veggie Mates. You just heard from Terence Gerchberg. He's this week's special guest on the Veg Talk podcast. So it's great to be back, guys. Thank you for your patience in between episodes. It has been quite a hectic time in our personal life. So I recently left my job. We bought a van. Anna also left her teaching job. And we plan to travel around North America, Mexico, to Australia, Southeast Asia, back to Mexico and North America starting this week. So as you can imagine, we're pretty excited. However, there's been a lot of preparation. My parents were also here uh, and it's taken up a lot of our time. So I apologize for not putting in the work, but I do thank you for your patience and hanging around. So yes, this week's guest is Terence Gerchberg, a New Yorker who Anna and I were lucky enough to meet one day whilst eating at, you guessed it, the Organic Grill in New York City. Seems like I meet most of my guests through this restaurant and Vlad or by meeting them there. Terence is an extremely kind person with an incredible personal story. So he's currently working for an organization called Back On My Feet. They do incredible work for people combating homelessness. They help to get them active, set goals, find jobs, and find homes. Prior to his work with them, his life had taken a few twists and turns, including a gambling addiction that you will hear him speak about. Uh, And as you just heard in the intro, Terence credits running as the driver behind his recovery. I hope you enjoy our chat and I'll talk to you again after the show. Thank you. Awesome. So we've just had my audio interface somehow pick up a radio frequency of some sort. And I had Jimi Hendrix's all along the watchtower blasting through the headphones. It wasn't quite blasting, but I was kind of freaked out. So I'm glad it's gone and we're, we're recording and I've got Terence Gerchberg here with me today and yeah, really stoked to, to have him on. Uh, currently working at a, a non-profit called Back on My Feet. We're going to the gala tonight here in Boston. Really excited to, uh, to meet some new people and, and check it out. So thanks for your time today, Terence, and awesome to have you on the, the Veg Talk podcast. My pleasure. Uh, you know, uh, Matt, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Matt's preferable, Matt, yeah. Matt's preferable. Okay, cool. Um, you can call me Terrence or T. Uh, a lot of my West Coast people call me um, Terry, so anything that works for you. But uh, you're a cool dude. Uh, love the shirt you're rocking. Uh, the, the Nirvana play on veganism or the veganism play on Nirvana, however you want to phrase it. But um, I, ever since I met you, I thought you were cool, and I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. So it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Awesome to have you on. So... For the listener, um, we love to just, you know, dive straight into to the guest story and where they began, mm-hmm. where it all began for them. Um, so, you know, I understand you were born in New York, but mm-hmm. didn't 
really grow up in New York, as I understand it. So if you can go into that and just let us know how it was. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love diving right in. I'm a New Yorker, so hopefully I'm not talking too fast. If I do, um, you can slow it down, I guess, on the podcast, <laughs> but maybe speed it up if you want to make me sound like a chipmunk. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm straight up born in New York, uh, March 3rd. Love it. Favorite number is 30303. So no matter what country I'm in, my birthday, I just put it down 0303. You don't have to worry about date or month first. Um, it's a little, you know... I guess. Well, how do you write it out? In the in how do you write it? Is it month first or is it date first? No, we're day first. Yeah, so learning that, yeah. coming here, yeah, I had like the day. Writing the date on any form has always been a bit of a mind fuck. You know, it's like stop what you're doing, and and think about it because <laughs> otherwise, you know, I fuck it up. I don't have to worry about it. I never mess it up. Yeah. I, my, my birthday is simple, 0303. So Beautiful. straight up born, uh, New York City, March 3rd. Um, uh, you know, I had an older sister, uh, two older sisters, uh, Joss and Heather. And I had an older brother that uh, passed away um, um, before I was born. And actually, uh, a big part of it, his name was uh, Jared Noah Gertzberg. And my middle name, and my name is Terrence Jared Gertzberg. So I feel like I've always had a guardian angel, guardian angel looking over me. He uh, passed away after four months, but um, that's a little bit later part of the story. He's actually buried in Queens near Mount, in, in, near um, where the World's Fair is. So when I visit his um, grave, which I do every year on his birthday, um, when I've done it ever since I've moved back to New York, it's it's a nice reminder of somebody that's watching over me. I, I know the story jumped in really quick to a, like uh, like a, a, a maybe a somber or a sad note, but um, it is a, it is a part of me. It's a part of my New York life. I was I was born in New York. Parents divorced. Um, it's funny. I was born in. I, I like to tell this uh, story, little joke. Maybe I guess it's not so funny when you tell people you're going to tell a joke. But I was born in New York at St. Vincent's Hospital, which has now become condominium. So if I bought an apartment there and I died there, my life truly goes nowhere. I or it goes full circle. Depends how you <laughs> want to look at it. Um, parents got divorced when I was four. Moved to uh, California. Um, kind of skipping a little bit, a couple things, but. Um, so I uh, moved out to California with my two older sisters. Um, and then uh, so from the age of about 8 to 20, I lived in L.A., the Valley, Sherman Oaks, aspiring actor, trying to do all that stuff. That's where I went to my high school prom, all those kind of things. So that's what I was saying. My West Coast people call me Terry. I guess it's more laid back. And when I came back to New York, it became Terrence. It became more formal. And then I was just like, everybody call me T. Um, and then I got into NYU and I moved back, uh, to New York, uh, August 18th, 1994. And my, um, my dorm room at NYU faced South. Um, and every night I would say goodnight to the World Trade Centers cause they, they were actually built in 1972, the same year, I guess I was technically built or born. So those buildings always meant something and they they actually play a, a huge importance in my personal life and my journey mm. of where um, they were just a beacon for where you are in New York City. No matter um, where you are, if you saw them, you knew you're facing south. There's not there's not much south of the of down there. And if you're down there, you know where you are because there's not much more real estate around them. So True. they were always a big beacon for where you are in the city. Okay, and that's yeah, that's really interesting. Not I've 
I wasn't able to experience New York mm. with the trade centers there. I first time I uh, saw the city was five years ago. Waiting, we're, we're getting pretty close to the to the day we landed. It's probably you know in three weeks. I think it was early November, mm-hmm. twenty thirteen. But yeah, that you know they were they were long gone, and I've got memories of the day that you know they they came down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think it's yeah really pasted in my memory that yeah. day definitely pretty vivid but going back to to la mm-hmm. so la and new york completely yeah. different places absolutely um really different vibe so do you think la shaped you to to get into acting um or was this a, a natural thing that you you were you know really aspiring to do and and how far did you did you get into it and you know what was it what was it like that experience uh act, acting it was, it was interesting i didn't um i tried to do some commercials when i was younger my mom was like oh you should try acting um, people said i was a cute blonde haired blue-eyed kid so that's a subjective thing i guess and uh when i was younger i did a couple little photo things and s- some kind of commercial stuff and um sure enough um I got a little bit of the acting bug in my uh, high school play production. I played Vince Fontaine from Greece, you know, okay, all you kittens throw your mins around your cats and you're, you know, and and away we go. But um, nothing much happened with it, I guess. Uh, My big break, if you would, I got a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial um, and out of high school. It was for popcorn chicken. I still remember it. I thought it was going to, you know, be shown everywhere. And they also, um, they, they shot our commercial because they were looking for skateboarders, and I, I kind of skateboarded, so I, I guess I was somewhat authentic. And then there was a guy named MC Hammer, and he was really big at the time. And they did a same commercial with him, and they showed his like every weekend and all over the time, and probably during the Super Bowl and during big events. So I'm sure he got paid a couple dollars for it. And then they showed mine, I think, twice in like Texas and in Florida. So I got like a check for $3,000. I mean, like, so the, the big break never happened from the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Um, and uh, that was in the early 90s. And then uh, I grew up, you know, like I said, with my, my mom, um, my sister, my other sister and my little brother. And uh, my mom pretty much, is, you know, a single parent worked really hard to provide for us. Not the greatest cook. Um, oftentimes would make some meatloaf and um, back then I ate it and I thought it was good and I, I heard it got our dog sick so when she fed some of the leftover to the to the dog and the dog's stomach needed to get pumped but um, <laughs> shortly after uh, leaving LA um, is kind of where my journey really shifted um, I, I when I was in LA I, I, I used to go to when I was 18 I used to go to this casino with a buddy of mine and we would gamble um, and I took a pretty big loss then, and uh, I wasn't really acting. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't focused on anything. And my dad's like, "Come and come out, come out east and live with, you know, live with me." I was like, "Dad, I have gambling debt," and he helped pay off some of the debt. And um, and I went and moved out and really started to focus on school. And when I was living with my dad, uh, ironically enough, somebody that. Um, who he was friendly with, saving some of the details out of it. But essentially, um, she was Indian, and she never ate meat. 
um, her whole life, and she would cook a lot of vegetables and rice, and I was focusing on learning stuff, and I started eating it, and I noticed how much more energy I had, and I started kind of running and exercising, and I noticed that I kind of got rid of that that belly a little bit, that kind of baby fat that I had been carrying with me for 19 years of my life, I guess. So it wasn't much baby fat. I guess it became teenage fat and then adult life fat. I don't know. Um, it's all the same fat, yeah, I think. Yeah. And uh, then I, I went uh, vegetarian. My uh, my sister, Heather, was a vegetarian for a, before, a couple years before. And um, I gave it a go. And I just felt all this incredible energy. And that was in 1992. So I've been vegetarian. I was a vegetarian since 92. And with that, I started kind of reading more about... I always liked animals when I was younger. I didn't really have many sports stars hanging on my wall, but I did have like white tigers because I thought they were beautiful. I mean, I did have Madonna in my locker, but that was when she was a material girl, but that's, I might be dating myself right now on, on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, I, I always cared about animals. And then the more I started educating myself about the actual environmental impact and how much water we use um, to feed cattle versus to produce crops. I was like, some of this just isn't, resonating right so um, where where were you finding this information at at the time because 1992 mm-hmm. um i was i was probably not even talking yeah. at that point <laughs> so um but what i find interesting about mm-hmm. this and meeting people who are vegetarians mm-hmm. what i would consider to be early on in the piece is that it still took me another two and a half decades mm-hmm. to start thinking about this mm-hmm. so this is you know this is before the you know the times of the internet being mm-hmm. as dominant as it is mm-hmm. and information being as open as it now is yeah where were you finding this information and and kind of doing your digging and learning about the environment learning about animals uh i guess it, you know that's a really good question because now you're like you just google it and that's the answers on the google um but back then uh I always take you back a little further when I was in California. I was a Boy Scout, so I always there were certain animals that really intrigued me, so I would like to learn, and you'd get books. I mean, back then you'd, you'd get books about such such things about vegetarianism, and there were books at that time. It wasn't like I was one of the first people. It was the 90s, so if, if it would have been the 60s, 70s, or 80s, it would have been like it's a little bit harder, but by then there's some stuff. There were some articles written. I just remember reading about it you know, and getting books, but the great thing about being in college at that time is oftentimes like write a paper about something that interests you. So then you have the topic. And at the time, I'm learning about vegetarianism. So that's what became my research. I kind of made it my own project to write about something that I was interested in. And as as I started doing that, that's when it really kind of resonated with, wait a second. It's just all the information. And, you know, I mean, you don't need a, a book or internet or anything to know that if you're eating animals something died for it straight up that's just that's factual like you can't nobody's going to argue that you don't you don't need that so um you know and even when i lived in california when you drive up the coast through bakersfield i mean you there's all the slaughterhouses i mean you can smell the death so i mean you know sure you can be an an ostrich for as long as you want and stick your hand your head in the sand and not be aware of what's happening but eventually when you start to learn things and with me when i start to learn and know where things really come from it's hard for me to 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 
to keep my head in the sand and not right. be aware of what's really happening. So that's kind of where I got it. And just, and just talking to people, you know, um, the person, you know, the, uh, the Indian um, lady, yeah, the Indian lady, yep. um, I'll get you her name in a second. Yeah. But not that important for this. I haven't spoken to her in 20 plus years, but, um, yeah, you know, that and talking to my sister and talking to other people and just, you know, starting to read some stuff. I wish I had a book that was like, you know, wow, this was the book. But yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't. It was just and I actually remember writing the paper and reading stuff on the computer. Obviously, you had to dig a little bit different, but information was there. Right. Yeah. And that's more wasn't what, as prevalent. More what I was interested in is, mm-hmm. yeah, just how you, you would go about mm-hmm. it. Because as you said, now it's all, you know, jump on Google type in what you want to learn about and, and there you go it's at your fingertips now you don't even have to type it in it starts to know what you want before you even finish typing it out so yeah. which is pretty scary uh, and i think one of the things that really played a big part is i've always my whole life have been very um talkative and uh, a friendly person where i have no problem having conversation starting up a conversation and then kind of how you process that information um so t- you know having that open dialogue with different people, you'll start, people do open up and tell you different things. And then you kind of like, does that resonate? Does that make sense? So, and, um, and at that point it just, that mm. logic kind of dropped mm. for you and you, you didn't really look back from that no, point. No, no, I mean, um, no, never really looked back from the vegetarianism. Yep. Um, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. And then it, and then it officially turned into veganism nine years ago, pretty much on my birthday. I like to tell people <laughs> it's, it's kind of my gift um, to myself and to the world because of the just the whole environmental impact. Yeah. Um, you know, there's without going into ethical things, but that that was a huge reason why I did veganism the shift nine years ago. Cool. We can yeah totally yeah. get into yeah. that um, down the road, but yeah, at this point, you yeah. know, you've made a pretty big shift there to mm-hmm. to go into vegetarianism and to also go back to mm-hmm. the East Coast mm-hmm. yep. and, and, where, where and I was, I was with really your dad. Born, yep. So you mentioned you had a little bit of gambling debt. Is this kind of, you know, not a huge amount at this point? Yeah. It, yeah. 5,000, I don't know, something yeah. minimal. Okay, but something like an 18-year-old kid probably can't yeah. deal with, yeah. can't pay off yeah. unless you've got exactly. a job. So, okay, so your dad helped you yep. pay it off mm-hmm. and then you you fly over to New York City and you... Uh, he, he's living in Pennsylvania at the time, Harrisburg, ah. Pennsylvania, so... Gotcha. Um, yeah, so then... Okay. And pretty, and then uh, I, I transferred. So I was going to school in Pennsylvania, but then I transferred to uh, I was going to Harrisburg Area Community College, and then I transferred to NYU. Well, yeah. gotcha. In um, August 18th is when I moved in, mm-hmm. 1994, and I graduated from NYU in '96. Okay. So and I mean, when you're at NYU or New York City, I mean, there are more vegetarian. I mean, even then there was, I mean, Angelica's Kitchen was still relevant. I know it's since closed, but there's there was literally vegetarian restaurants that had been open for 10 years before that i mean new york city is is pretty big on that so um yeah there was it was uh even you know the food cafeteria you, you could find a way I, I never had a problem in new york no it's yeah. i think to right now it's, mm-hmm. it's my favorite city mm-hmm. for vegan vegetarian food there's no doubt about it. philly's pretty strong it is you yeah. gotta check out philly denver denver got some surprising and ironically salt lake city is strong Okay. Yeah. LA is, of course, going to have some stuff, but I tell, the reason I love New York is mm-hmm. that you can get a subway ticket, mm-hmm. and you have access to all of your favorite restaurants. Yeah. There's no car needed. Mm. Um, there's something about that that I love. Oh yeah, no question. So, I've I haven't been to Denver, haven't been to Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. 
haven't been to Philly. Philly, so you three can, on my list. Philly, you can run around. My a friend of mine, Jackie, because I love running. We'll get to that. We literally did a vegan running tour. We hit, I think, four or five restaurants in one night. I mean, we just have little tastes at each one, but that was like kind of our thing. We've done that a couple of times. It's super fun. She that, works with Back of My Feet, so whenever we're there. That's cool. I'd yeah. like to do that. Yeah. That does, you wouldn't be pounding down a meal between, uh, nah, I mean, between you're, runs. But, but you're just jogging. It's almost yeah. like a half a mile. It's, it, they're not that far between each other because Philly's so condensed. Okay. So it's, it's super fun. I'll, let me know. Cool. I'll, I'll take you on my personal vegan Would, running tour in Philly. That does sound really cool, man. That sounds really cool. So in New York, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a buzzing city. Mm-hmm. As a young kid at university, it must have been a really cool place to, to go to university. Mm-hmm. You've got no problems living a vegetarian mm-hmm. life. I'm sure people, you know, there would have been people that questioned it, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, but probably a little bit more forward mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and what did you do at NYU? Uh, NYU, I was uh, studying uh, accounting finance, so I wanted to be an accountant. Um, I always enjoyed numbers, um, so that's what, that's what I kind of focused on at, uh, at university. I like how you say it. You say A with a cool accident, and you're like university, but <laughs> in college, I um, yeah, it was it was accounting finance. So uh, yeah. graduating, I graduated with a, a BS. And I got offered a job at Coopers and Librand. It was one of the big six accounting firms. Now, much has happened, but that's where, that's where it went. Cool. So, did you take a year off or anything like that, or straight off the the press and into the straight off the press and yeah. right into it? Yep, right into um, back. I always say this. This uh, it was a it was a Ponzi scheme where somebody, I I don't want to say the names of the people, but it was up in Syracuse and they embezzled a bunch of money and it was horrible and all this stuff. It was when they would only embezzle like hundreds of millions. Now like people steal billions from people, I guess. Um, And uh, I would fly on a Monday to Syracuse and fly back on a Friday. So, and then I was in the basement just cranking numbers. I was like, what am I doing here? Like my soul is screaming. There's nothing creative. There's no acting. There's nothing. And then, a buddy of mine, my really good friend, um, who actually, my buddy Joe Halper, and I will say his name because I just love this guy so much. Um, we were at a party, and because we were at a party, he met his wife, and then his wife introduced me to mine, and he was actually was our rabbi for my wedding a, a year and change ago. So he's just a near and dear friend, and we've we've always just been great friends. And just um, told me, he was working on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're going to love the energy here. You got to come to Wall Street. I was like, I'm in, dude. Let's go. Let's go to Wall Street. So, I, I, you know, I, I, um, that was in, I lasted at uh, Cooper's and Library in about 11 months. And then I worked on Wall Street for five years. I was there um, trading equity options on the floor of the American Stock Exchange. Okay. So, and I'm that's just, when insanity goes. Mm, I'm painting like a visual in my head of, you know, of, of what this life um, would have been like. So, you know, you're obviously a creative kid coming from the active back, uh, the acting background, LA, very creative scene. That job sounded, you know, soul sucking. Just which one? The first one. Yes. It yes. Was. So, all right, nice one. So you're venturing out into Wall Street, and then yeah. that's when I think whenever, at least whenever I hear Wall Street now, dating back to people you know in the in the 90s or early 2000s i'm thinking wolf of wall street straight away that's the that's the first picture that gets painted in my mind but yeah what was it like in intense place to work did the energy 
you know, oh, it was get you excited and you were enjoying it a bit more? Even to this day, I think back, it was just such, it's just great people. You're constantly interacting with people. There's never a dull moment. There's never, uh, there's just never like, even if there is a dull moment, like there's always camaraderie and you, you're, you're part of a, like a family. Like the second you get there, you're like, what is going on? All people are doing is buying and selling. It's so simple, mm. but it's, it's things happen so fast. And about month three or four, you're like, you either get it and you click and it all makes sense. And you hear three conversations at once and you're like, Yes, I'll buy them, sell them, take them off the book, and all these things. Or you're like, what just happened? And then you just quit because your your brain can't do it. And mine just opened up, and I just loved it. And the friends that I made and the the connections were amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street is is not on it. It's a lot of other stuff. But this is literally trading equity options on the floor in an open outcry market, which is like what you see kind of in like different kind of stuff, like. Um, a little bit of trading place, uh, trading places. The old um, uh, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd movie. I think. haven't seen it yeah. myself, but. but I mean that they talk a little bit at the beginning and they, they have a scene in it. But um, yeah, it's it was it's totally different. I mean it's it's craziness. I don't know how to explain it, but I absolutely loved it. And they bet on everything. They bet on whether or not you can finish, you know, sixty hot wings in 60 minutes without needing without throwing up or if you can drink a gallon of milk and keep it down in 30 minutes like the most bizarre stuff and, is this um, during work oh yeah this is yeah the bell rings you start working when the bell rings everybody leaves there's no like it's literally like school again you, i mean the bell rings things start the bell rings again mm. at the end of the trading day everybody leaves like nobody hangs out after really i mean people go out but I wasn't there when it was during the, like the eighties or the nineties when there was supposedly all this drugs prevalent. I mean, mm -hmm. I got there in 97. So it wasn't like supposedly like the big party drug scene that it used to be I got mean, it. I, that I, that I, I was, I never really used drugs and didn't really drink. I never have drank. So I, I wouldn't have been around. I, w I don't expose myself to that stuff. Interesting. That would have been a question I, I, I would have thought to have, Asked because I have heard stories of people in that scene, yeah, getting into, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting into drugs. Yeah. I think um, Brian Rose from London Real, mm -hmm. if you've if you've heard his stuff before, uh, he's an American guy living in England. Mm -hmm. um, he's got his own, uh, you know, YouTube media mm -hmm. company um, that's going really well. But yeah, it sounds like he's also led that life but maybe a little earlier and he definitely did get into yeah. into the drugs but what i took away from that is that you know although you know although you're at your job and you're working you are essentially gambling oh absolutely on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. it's just not with your own money you're mm -hmm. getting paid to do it mm -hmm. correct so there's you, have got somebody, you have somebody that backs you. You have a certain yeah. amount and they check to make sure that your positions aren't too leveraged one way or another, that if the stock or the options move, the stock is the underlying equity from the options. If it doesn't move one direction or another, that you don't just lose it all. Because, yep. yeah, so. So with, with that, you know, in your hands to some extent, when you're, when you're getting wins mm -hmm. on the board, is there, you know, a rush there? Is it fueling some kind of, you know, inner desire to, to go out and, and, and do it somewhere else, like gamble somewhere else? Or was it, you know, black and white? 
you know, this is work and, and, and that's it. Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, with Wall Street, when you're trade, when you're a specialist clerk or when you're, you're actually, you are actually technically the casino, you're keeping a fair, open outcry market. So when you're the specialist clerk and I was working with, uh, with Gary and Aaron and, and the people or Mike Riley or my buddy Joe, you know, you, you're kind of working together and everybody's making trades. So it works out. Um, it was cool at the end of the year when you get a bonus or when there was some great trades that you put on, but you really weren't putting on um, big positions. It's when you become a trader and you get a seat where you kind of take those bigger positions. So earlier on, I wasn't really holding anything crazy positions. Then I became, you know, a trader in the crowd and that's when you're kind of holding positions. But then even then, somebody's kind of looking at your position saying, okay, this is a little scary. You're, you're very leveraged. Um, where's your protection on the upside or the downside or whatever it is. So you've always kind of got those checks and balances. I mean, back in the day before technology, you could really hold some things, but now everybody kind of sees all the things that you got. You know, you kind of, you, you're trading with a computer. It wasn't all in your brain anymore. Like it used to be or written down. It was, it's a lot different. Um, not as much, but I think the environment to answer your question wasn't the trading. It was more the environment. My buddy, uh, Joe and I, the same one that, uh, told me about wall street and introduced you know his wife introduced me to my wife um that we did a suicide pool and, and that, let me explain what a suicide pool it's not you're betting on people to die <laughs> though there is one of those i've heard um this is a suicide pool around football so american football so let me clarify that because i'm sure you've got listeners all over the the world and they're like what are you talking about so it's american football and what you do is in American football, you pick one team. If that team wins, whether they win, you move to the next week. If they lose, you're out. Now, 200 people get in, each put in $100, that's $20,000. Now, if they all pick, we're filming, we're recording right now in New England, or in Boston, and if the, if the New England Patriots win and you pick them, they go to the next round. That's great. If they lose then you're out. But now once you pick them once, you can never use that team again. So there's some strategy involved. And what ended up what ended up happening is Joe and I won the whole thing, which a couple things happened from that. One, we won a lot of money, like $13,000 because second place and all the other, mm-hmm. crazy, which is phenomenal. But then you get kind of like immortalized, like you just won the biggest pool. Like that's a, that's a lot of money. Like that's a good chunk of change to win. It's also hard to do. Yes, it is very it's hard. It's really to do. hard to yeah. do. I remember doing one back at home with, with Australian football, yeah. same principle mm-hmm. um, in Aussie rules. Mm-hmm. They play once a week, much like the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to keep a track of. But the same rules, and it's bloody hard. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So you know, we won it. So that was that was pretty cool. And then everybody, you know, then it kind of got that that itch going. And then um, you know, a couple couple things happened. A, a friend got married in Vegas, so I went out there and I gambled pretty well and made some money. And then I got invited to um, a blackjack tournament, like I think a year out of college, and it was um, at Caesar's Palace. And the first prize was $50,000. And so many people showed up that they actually changed the first prize. Uh, not to sound like Rain Man, but it was $58,500. And I won it. And I paid off my school loan two years out of out of school. And, you know, my dad is like, this is horrible. You shouldn't be gambling. You're not. This is going to not end well. And I'm like, I just paid off my school loan two years out of school. How many people do you know? At least I had the, the, 
mm-hmm. the common sense to do that, I guess. So that was that was kind of, kind of a smart thing. Maybe I should have invested in in somewhere else, but who knows? I probably would have lost it. But paid off my school loan, so I don't have those, and that that's kind of cool. Um, and then then that's that's where the slippery slope just went out. You know, then 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 you're invincible. I mean, you mm. can you can do no wrong. I mean, I. I often say you never have a gambling problem when you're winning. It's only when you're losing. Right. So, and, and when I'm winning, I, you don't have a problem. You, you can do no wrong. I mean, in my eyes, I, you can't. Please know that you can do many wrongs. Mm. But in your own eyes, you feel like you can do no wrong when you're winning, when money's coming in, when they're offering you more stuff. And that was, you know, that was 1997 and 98, 99. Got it. 2000. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It's amazing, like, hearing it as an, you know, an outside person to this and, and not having experienced anything like this in my own life. Um, it's, yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a movie, you know, bringing in loads of, loads of money, paying off school debt, which right now in current mm-hmm. America is a huge problem mm-hmm. for people leaving school. Like, if yeah. you told kids that they could pay off their loans in two years they'd be stoked and asking you how the hell they do that because it's it's a daunting thing mm-hmm. today so yeah i think it's cool that you brought in the money and you you were able to pay him off how correct was your dad was he oh. did you listen to him at all? Oh, no, at all no no you know i mean i don't i mean i don't i feel like i've got a um I mean, if you look back at it, I might have paid off my school loans, but then if you look at how much I lost down the road from it, I, I could have gone to school 10 more times, So, mm. which I end up having to pay off another time. So, yep. um, yeah, he, he was he was spot on. I mean, he could see it, you know, the, I think with addiction, and I can only speak of my addiction. I can't yep. speak of other people's. Um, when you're in that spiral, you can't see it, but unfortunately people can see that's how you're spiraling, how you are spiraling out of control. Um, so were yeah, you, he, were you going New York to Vegas or, yeah, yep. you know, on the, uh, the great thing is, you know, you, wall street, you're done with work at five thirty. You can be, if you time it right, this is before September 11th. So you can get to the airport 30 minutes early, fly through security. You could be on a six o'clock plane. I could be gambling, you know, in Vegas by nine, 10 o'clock at night. Cause there's a time change. Cause the time yeah. change. I mean, just, you, you know. And then you fly back either on the red eye Sunday or Sunday and you're, you know, but then also Atlantic City's nearby. But mm-hmm. yeah, my dad, my dad was spot on. But for a long time, you know, you'd win, you'd lose, you know, you'd, you'd win 30,000 here on a weekend, you'd drop 40,000, another one. So, you know, you, I, I, I throw these numbers around because when I first started, it wasn't those kind of numbers. It was, I would win two or $3,000. I was ecstatic. Then I lost 5,000. Then I, of course, stopped and my dad helped me out. Then, you know, when you start again, you're like, okay, it's a couple thousand dollars and that's what you have because you're making some money on Wall Street. And and then you you, you win a blackjack tournament and you, you get credit and all these things. So, um, you know, it's it's funny you said it sounds like a movie. Um, I actually wrote my life story into a movie and I pitched it to uh, Tobey Maguire's people and and. And then they liked it, and then I actually went to his house, and I pitched it to him, and I was in his house, and, and he passed on it. And um, the name of the movie in the screenplay is called Never Enough because it, it literally is never enough in mm. my experience with addiction, with, mm-hmm. with gambling, because 
um, when I did win the 10,000, I was like, oh, I'll get this. And then you lose 10 and then, you know, and even if you win 20,000, you're like, if I would have done this different, like I would, I could have won more. And if I would have just bet bigger, I would have, but mm. it's, it's never enough. It's that so simple. even, even when you were winning, oh, you were, yeah. you were saying oh, I could have bet more on oh, one more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the problem with it. Yep. That's the problem with, at least with me and the addiction, because it it was literally never enough, and that's where it all kind of started to spiral out of, started to spiral out of control. Um, and then you know I'm living in New York, and all is all is good. And for five years, I would get on the the E train on Twenty Third Street and Eighth Avenue, and the last stop was World Trade Center. And I would walk under the World Trade Center for five years, and it would drop me off a block and a half away from the American Stock Exchange, and I'd go to work. Except for on September 11, 2001, um, I was in the front car and was going to get out and everybody and then people were running out. And I was like, why are people running out? So then I didn't run out and I looked up and I'm like, why is why is there a hole in the building? Why does it look like a helicopter hit the building? And then people are saying people are jumping and I was like, just get to work, just get to work. And then as soon as I got like a block and a half away, like this huge explosion happened and I looked up and I'm like, all this debris was coming. I was like, how did the other building get on fire? Did the flames jump? Like, I was confused. And then I walked into the exchange. I walked around Trinity Church, and I remember this daughter on this father's shoulders, and the daughter's like, look, Daddy, fire. And she's like, and the father was like, I know, honey, let's go home. And they were going the opposite direction, which um, I, I did shortly after. And I remember that they walked by, and that's actually, I know, if I ever have a trivia question, where Alexander Hamilton is buried, he's buried at Trinity Church because I walked by his grave and I still see it vividly in my mind. It was where they were. I know exactly where his grave is. That that's, day. That yeah, I mean, but that's where it's all was. That day is was etched in my brain forever. Mm. Um, and then I turned and I started walking back towards the trade center to get into work, and because um, my brother Ricky and my sister Heather were there, so I wanted to see if they were okay. As becoming a trader, the more senior you are within the trading, you can get to work later. They were, they weren't as long there as long as me, so they had to go there and do some of the setting up. And they were there, and, um, and when I walked in, I saw that the video footage kept showing the planes hit, and I'm like, wait a second, one plane hit, I get, and they're like a second plane, and it just didn't resonate. And I was like, God, that's it, we're out of here, we're going, we're out, let's leave. And I told them to leave, and we grabbed some water, and we walked down to Battery Park. Um, where the Staten Island Ferry is, and um, all of a sudden I heard boom, 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 and I was like, what's going on? And everybody kept saying they got the Empire State Building, they got the Pentagon. I'm like, who are they? And everybody was like, terrorists. And when I heard boom, 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 I was like, okay, so they're getting us. It's just bombs dropping. It just feels like a movie. And the smoke and the soot was from the, the bomb, 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 or boom, 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 was actually the, the floors hitting mm. one another. And um, the, it was the soot that was coming, the smoke, and then we all were okay, and we walked out and walked up the FDR and underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, and then I watched the other tower fall. And from that, oh, from the Brooklyn Bridge, so you went around. Yeah, I went around the lower yeah, part of Manhattan yeah, and yeah. walked, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, walked up the FDR, um, and then saw the other tower fall, and it was just surreal. Wow, surreal, and then. Um, that sent me to a really dark place, and then that's when I started gambling really big. I just didn't mm. care. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I just did not care at all. I was numb. I was desensitized, and that's when I was like, wow. 
let's just go. And I, that's when I really started gambling really big and I went on a huge winning streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's where really the, the term never enough because I wanted 100,000, 200,000, a half a million. Then um, the Bare Naked Lady song was pretty big at the time. If I had a million dollars, I'd be rich. And then I wanted a million dollars. I never got there. I was going to buy an apartment and call it Casa de Casino. But it would have been short-lived anyway. I mean, until mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. took a big hit, and I took a big hit eventually. And, um, uh, you know, I even went um, – it's funny. I'm, here I am up in New England, but I went and saw the New England Patriots first Super Bowl win in 2002. I was in mm-hmm. um, New Orleans. Yeah, that's where it was. It was at the Superdome. U2 performed, and um, they played all the names of the people that died, like on the screen behind. And – I was there for the Super Bowl and I won a lot of money. And then after that, that you know, you win, you lose. But eventually, I ended up losing it. And um, 2002, I checked myself in a gambling rehab center. And so who'd the who'd the Patriots play that that uh, Super It was Bowl? the St. Louis Rams. The St. Louis Rams are 14 and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. They uh, so New England should have lost by 14 and a half points, mm-hmm. and they outright won. And it was an unknown quarterback named Tom Brady. N- yes, exactly. Yeah. Versus Court, Court Warner and the St. Louis Rams and Tom Brady came out. They didn't come out as individual players. They came out as a team. And I was like, wow, these guys are just going to outright win. And I was I was spot on. But then, I mean, right. it doesn't matter how yeah. much I won or how right I was. I mean, um, yeah, yeah I, I needed to go through my losses. Mm. And, and I did. And, um, yeah. And that was uh, obviously Super Bowl's February two thousand. Two. Two, and then pretty much a couple months later, I was, I was, I went from, not to take that line from Jay Z, but I went from Nada to Prada, and then I definitely went back to Nada again. I had nothing, I had mm. less than nothing, um, and um, yeah, I was broke, um, and I owed a ton of money. And in um, June twenty seventh, two thousand two, I checked myself in a gambling rehab. Yeah, it's a wild story. Um, if I was Toby Maguire, I would have picked it up, but I mean, like. It is, yeah, it's a, it's cool hearing you talk about it with so much clarity now. Um, I think it's, yeah, really eye-opening. Mm, um, thank you. And, and I appreciate you going deep into your story mm-hmm. when, you know, you've felt all this, mm-hmm. all the, you know, the events of 2001, um, the, the wins, the losses, you've lived this, you've felt mm-hmm. it. Um, I haven't, so I have no idea what it's like, but for you to, yeah, um, tell us all, I'm, yeah, really, really appreciative of that. My pleasure. And, and even during it, I was always, I mean, I might've been gambling with my addiction, but I was always vegetarian, straight edge, never drank, didn't use any drugs. Um, even, you know, all the things I was always offered, uh, you know, made sure that they had vegetarian options without any meat. I mean, that was always, weirdly enough, like I just, that was always a constant, like, I mean, I have the addiction, but I still try to keep all that other stuff in check. And it's funny you say that he didn't take the movie. I'm kind of glad because now I feel like the movie is at a place or the story of my life is at a place where it's, if ever it's been ready, it's ready to be told mm-hmm. um, because of now what I do on a bigger scale. And if I if I didn't hit rock bottom, if I didn't sleep on my sister's couch, and if I didn't know how I was going to pay massive numbers yeah yeah yeah. and i mean 17 years later um i'm still paying people back i Mm -hmm. still have debt and 17 years later um 
I'm running and taking positive steps in the direction of something constructive. Um, 17 years later, my life has transformed or um, I've continued to um, be knowledgeable about how I can impact things and not be uh, that that person with my hand, my head in the sand and not paying attention to things. So uh, it yeah. was really eye-opening. Um, so how did the rehab facility mm-hmm. go? Was it a, you know, you went in once and you came out mm-hmm. in a much better place or did you have to, did you have to frequent the place multiple times? Mm-hmm. How did, how does that yeah. play out for you? Well, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to use this expression, but I don't know what else to say. Luckily enough, um, mm-hmm. I, I was at such a low when I checked myself in. There was nowhere to go but up. I was so low. I was. I mean, everybody rock bottom, but everybody's rock bottom is different. Um, this was. Uh, you check yourself in. It, nobody makes you do it. Mm-hmm. It was in Baltimore, Maryland. It was. Uh, um, I was there for about a month. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be here for about a week or two, and then I'm out. And it doesn't quite work that way. You you leave the program when you're ready. And it's not when you think you're ready. It's when, you know, the people you speak to are like, okay, you're at a you're at a better place. And you would do meditation. And I, that's when I really started running um, and really focusing on getting healthier food and being really conscious of what I was putting in my body. Um, you know, again, being constructive versus destructive. And um, that's when a friend of mine called me up. He goes, we're in. I'm like, that's so great. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm in rehab. He's like, no, we're in the New York City Marathon. I was like oh my god you're right we applied for the marathon we both worked on wall street together and i got in and i had always wanted to run it but i'll save some of the details if anybody wants to know the details find me and we'll go for a long run why (laughs) running meant so much to me it has to do with my birthday it has to do with my uncle it has to do with la it has so much cool stuff but we'll save it for a run um but essentially it was on my list of things to do i always wanted to run and and that became my therapy that became my moving meditation and um, became my outlet, uh, a positive one. I used to run sort of and beat myself up. I can't believe you lost so much money. I can't believe you didn't win enough money. And then it became like, wow, look at how beautiful Baltimore is running around the harbor. Look at like what you get to listen to. You get to listen to this music. You get to listen to your own breath. You get to like be with you versus the gambling where it's, it's, it's fake. It's, it's, chips being exchanged for hopefully a stack of money one day but, magic yeah. trick yeah. over here yeah. yeah um so but you know there's nothing you want to know how to run a mile take all the steps that you need to run a mile there's there's no shortcut to running a mile but gambling's a shortcut it's a shortcut to money it's a shortcut to that whatever is uh, is going on so um yeah, I started uh, training, and uh, I guess you know the next part of that that s- screenplayer story. I, I haven't missed a New York City marathon since then. This will be my 16th consecutive one. I'm officially uh, have guaranteed entry for life. I, I still do need to pay the entry fee, but um, I have guaranteed entry, so now I'm officially a streaker. <laughs> streaker, as in streaking mm-hmm. uh, the amount of them not running naked. In case anybody's <laughs> wondering, I'm sure there's a marathon out there for that. Oh, man. I'm sure there's a marathon for that, indeed. Um, yeah, that's 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 an awesome, beautiful way to talk about running. You know, for a lot of people, running is not what you described it as mm-hmm. for them. It is uh, potentially, you know, just a painstaking mm-hmm. thing that is dreaded. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, there is a bit of that in there. You mm-hmm. know, maybe there is a bit of that in there that... That is kind of 
life in itself is mm. it's not always going to be you know unicorns rainbows and mm-hmm. butterflies and i think running is the same in in some way shape or form mm. the the race that i the day I, the day i met you i just mm. run the 18 mile race that my listeners i've i've told them about and that was yeah that was a, a tough day the yeah. the first six miles i was struggling after a, a bad meal choice the night before the the middle six miles i felt like i was on top of the world i felt like i was flying around central park mm-hmm. and then the last six was pain mm-hmm. and and you got to get through the pain to get to the finish line and experience um experience that so that was yeah that was a really m- amazing way to describe running uh for you and being in new york city for the marathon every year is is there strong feeling there it sounds like you've got a really strong tie with this city Mm -hmm. with all that you've kind of gone through new york i mean even coming back new york new york city gets me i think i always try to say new york is just it's like a woman i don't know why i I make new york city a woman i guess we all have it's a man or woman i don't know maybe now it's gender neutral who knows what in this day and age but for me it's always been a woman and i feel like it's always got me like it was okay with me being alone it was okay with me um running around it always kind of watched over me wherever i went and um you know if i run on the west side highway which is my favorite um, oftentimes running south and seeing, you know, the Twin Towers and then now the, the you know, Freedom Tower, but or running north and going to Central Park. Um, I don't know. Running is just, running saved my life. Like, it really did. It, it just gave me the, the, the outlet that I needed at the time that I needed it and the, the friendships and the relationships I've made through running are beyond invaluable. It's crazy. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for running. I mean, you chose to run 18 mile. I met somebody and, you know, and I, that day when you ran 18, I had run myself and we went and just had food and, th- and th- that's what led to this. I, I can say with 100% certainty, we would not if it wasn't for that. I mean, you wouldn't have come to the city to run a race. We wouldn't have been sitting at the same restaurant. Of course, veganism plays a big part of it, but um, we'll get to that. Uh, but it just something magical happens when you're running you're not looking at your cell phone as often because if you do you're probably going to fall and hit something (laughs) um you're not um you've got to be present you've got to be present to your own breath um to the the bad food choice you made to the enjoyment you're like this is the greatest thing you're like why did i sign up for this thing and it's it's like a little microcosm of life you're like it's great this is horrible i'm in pain um, but then you finish, and when you finish in a day or so, the pain goes away, or even sooner. Like, pain is only kind of temporary when it comes to that stuff. But um, the accomplishment you get, I, I always, I, it felt like you f- you really accomplished something, you really earned something, and that can never be taken away. So, yeah, the, the energy of New York City, the energy of the marathon, uh, no matter how fast I run it, whenever I finish, I'm just I'm just grateful that, I started something and I got to finish something and I didn't cheat along the way. I didn't take the shortcut. I didn't take the easy way. I took those great miles that feel like I'm flying and also I take the ones that hurt so much. Both of them I take in stride. So whatever you were getting out of gambling, Mm -hmm. running has just by 
far and away superseded that and you're, I suppose you're putting in the work, number mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. you're putting in the real work and there is no shortcuts, but what it gives back to you, some kind of clarity, me- meditation, fulfillment is just far greater and I can see it, you know, sitting mm-hmm. across from you, I can I can see the difference in facial expressions and, and whatnot describing the two different lives. Let's call mm-hmm. them that for the sake of it. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, but yeah, it's it's very re- rewarding for you. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to, you know, coach others or, um, you know, give back to, mm-hmm. to others in the community? Uh, yeah, running um, for a while I did. I, I actually worked with uh, Nike for for a good bit, and I was coaching some people, and they they called me coach. One of my emails, Coach Amazing, because I was a running coach and I was on the Amazing Race. But um, I like to think of more of a motivator, and it's just where it was because some of my gambling stuff, I um, there was some some legal things, so I potentially could have been in prison. So you're not running much in prison, especially in a small cell, but. What it comes down to is, um, look, if you don't run today, when you wake up tomorrow morning, tomorrow tomorrow morning, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And how do you want to do it? Do you want to take a step in the positive, in the correct direction or not? So it's funny. Sometimes people like Coach T, and, um, and it's great, but um, it's just I'm no different than anybody else. It's just I, I just made it a point to really – make a conscious effort of putting one foot in front of the other and repeating it and and seeing where it take me i just i've always loved you know from when i talked about being a boy scout and being outside and and the things that you see when you're outside is absolutely amazing it's like phenomenal and the only way to do it is to get outside and like see it to smell it to smell those pine trees when you're running um in leadville colorado um to, to smell the, the, the gnarly New York City sound, smells and hear those sounds that are like annoying and loud and the, the trash smell and the, I mean, it's disgusting, but it's also like, it's real. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. Like you, you, can't, you can't imitate that. There's only one way to do it. And I always try to tell people, um, if you want to meet somebody or you want to experience something, you need to get out. And when I say get out, get outside run walk jog like i you know badly i was tired and i didn't want to go to meet nelson and but i met you like get out there and then vlad and then we did things and things like you just need to get outside man it's amazing it is crazy oh yeah i'm right there with you on that like getting outside and putting yourself out there i think they're two things that i'm so glad that i've done recently Mm -hmm. You're I'm, really doing it. I'm ha- having experiences that, yeah, beyond my wildest dreams. And for so long, it was just building up in my head. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't pushing through the fear. wasn't pushing through the barriers of actually going out and doing it. So yeah. I, I, I resonate with that. And yeah, you're, about you're right. Go, you're about to go on a crazy cool journey. You're really going to get out there. There's just going to be like a car van. Be- does everybody know what you're doing? Or did I just let the cat out of the bag? You've just announced it, which is really cool. I'm happy to, I'm happy to go into it as well. So yeah, me and... Me and my girl, Anna, Anna Victoria, episode number three, I think you guys got to hear her story. We have decided to buy a cargo van. So it's just like a 40, 250 cargo van, nothing special, but it's beautiful inside. It's got a bed and a sink 
um, a place for us to cook and we're going to take that around the country. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty excited. We're leaving yeah. in, by the time this airs, it'll probably be two weeks away uh, for when we're leaving. My parents just landed today in Boston, so we get to spend some time with them, which I'm absolutely psyched about. And yeah, we're heading off on the mm-hmm. road yeah. and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's it's a big change. It's It is daunting. Um, but yeah, where we watched the documentary last night and yeah, it gives you those feels, you know, that you, you just got to grab it and, and, and go for it. So we're, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. be more excited. And when I heard about it at the restaurant, when you told me, I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. I want to be his friend because he's, he's really going after it. There's so many people that talk about things and don't do things. And, um, you know, uh, when I applied for the for the ama- the Amazing Race, so many people came up to me and said, "Oh, I've always wanted to be on the Amazing Race," and I would say to them, and I hope I would say, "Really, you want to be on the Amazing Race? Did you apply?" And they're like, "No." I said, "Well, then you didn't want to be on it. You just want to talk about it. Like, if you want to be on it, apply. Mm. Like, put those steps forward. You can say I've always dreamed of it. I've always wished I could have been on it. That's fine. But if you really want to do something, freaking get out there and do it, man. Like, apply." Like, get out there and, like, experience things. Like, I didn't think it would happen. You know, all these quick twists and turns. Like, I can't wait to hear about your journey. You're getting out there and you're really doing it. Like, it's amazing. The things that you're going to see and explore and the people that you're going to meet. I mean, it's it's going to be life-changing for multiple lives because the way you share it. So thank you for that. And, and uh, I'm really excited uh, to hear where you guys go. And hopefully maybe I'll meet you in one city. I'll get out there and meet you. That'd be awesome. No, I'm, yeah, it's mm. it's amazing to hear that back, that feedback back. And again, people wanting to do things. Everyone has that. Everyone has a creative bubble in their head that's just, absolutely, you know, bubbling away. It's just, oh, that idea, this idea. And I, un- I understand it can be hard. It can be hard to face fear but it's only us that holds us back Mm -hmm. we're the only people that hold us back and i've began to learn that anna's not holding me back Mm -hmm. my mom and dad aren't holding me back my brother's not holding me back i'm holding myself back so yeah we just chipped away at it and now it's real but we walked away from that restaurant Mm -hmm. a few weeks back and i remember anna saying you know what i liked about terrence when we told him what we did and what we're going to do, he didn't go, huh. He said, oh, I've got this friend that does clothing capsules and you need to meet her or you need to listen to her and hear what she's got to say. And I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, instead of like, I don't know, giving some kind of like, oh, but aren't you worried about this? Aren't you worried about that? You were like, that is awesome and this is going to help you. And we walked away from that restaurant mm-hmm. going, yeah, he w- he was a very, very cool person and yeah. Thanks. Stoked man. to have met you. So yeah. you, did you name, did you name the car? Is we did. Official? Is it official? I, can you tell you the name we of the did, car? We did, we did, we did. So we've actually decided to keep the original name. And I like it. So the original name, previous owners, they are from Belgium mm-hmm. and I believe French is their um their first language so 
For me, in English, it's called Herman. Mm-hmm. Ana, first language is Spanish, and it's Herman. And I like that much better. There you go. So it's Herman the Van. There so, you go. I love it. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's the name of the van. And we are... Look, if there's anyone out there listening to this that would like to be on the podcast along the way, I'm bringing my equipment. It's a perfect chance to meet more people and and, and yeah, do more pods. So we're going basically through upstate New York, Toronto, Detroit, and then across like Minnesota, the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming, hit the West Coast and go down the West Coast. If there's any people that you think I should get in contact with, hit me up on Instagram at VegTalk. And we can we can definitely talk about that. But for now, I want to get back to back to the man Terence Gerchberg's story. So you mentioned the Amazing Race, mm-hmm. very cool. I remember watching that, you know, as a kid back at home. What was that experience like for you? So, you know, you've come out of a, mm-hmm. a pretty hectic time in your life. Um, you've found running. Mm-hmm. You're active. You're a lot clearer, mm-hmm. and you've challenge yourself more or less it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do the amazing race you're on public you're in the public eye and and you're thrust into a pretty intense situation so Mm -hmm. you went on with your girlfriend at the time Mm -hmm. and yeah i'd love to hear yeah just a a little bit about how it was yeah um yeah so the segue i mean off and off years and then you know started dating somebody and we applied you know it was coming a couple times people like oh you should apply for it and Sure enough, we did apply. I, I edited the video. We sent it away. And sure enough, they called her thinking that she was the one that edited it and made all the different Sharpie marks. And I'm like, but I'm the one that did it anyway. Um, <laughs> um, she's, she, uh, she, um, Sarah calls me up and says, um, they called. Um, they want to interview us. I'm stepping into a meeting. I'll call you later. I was like, but what? So anyway, um, they called and then we had, you know, the final auditions in L.A. And it was it was really super cool. My it all worked out. You know, the universe. My gosh, listen, mm. I was supposed to go away pretty much the same weekend. My little brother was getting married and I was the best man in San Diego and it got pushed back one week. So everything worked out so I could be the best man and then go away. Um, and uh, Sarah and I were considered the newly dating couple. And we um, it was pretty much going to be our right around being together for about eight, nine months when we took off on the journey. But um, I, I often joke, what is it like? If you want to know how to end a relationship, go on a reality TV with somebody. Um, so th- the relationship did not fare well leading up to it. And then uh, definitely when we were on it, by the time we, by the time it started airing, we were, you know, we're friend, friends or friendly. We still are. Um, she's happily married with two beautiful kids and, and I wish her well with everything she does. Um, and, and the same she does for me, I, I, I believe at least we have pleasantries yeah yeah um and you know it's it's very difficult it's very trying on you i mean you you're on 30 flights in 23 days you circle the world the experiences you see the people you're interacting with it's 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 intense and in it it really questioned my um my ethics um how i feel Mm. about um uh we were in kazakhstan and there was a meat challenge and it was eating sheep's ass in kazakhstan first of all we're up at seven in the morning trying to find eggs in a, in a chicken coop, which is like, if you've ever seen a chicken coop, 30,000 chickens, it's very, it's, 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 it's disgusting. Like it's gnarly. Like mm. there's dead chickens. There's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the not, smells, you know, yeah, the, the smells, yeah. it's just, there's nothing good about it. You, you, you're, it's just pretty, um, messed up. And then 
it was a it was the fast forward and we we went for it we didn't know everybody was always like didn't you know i was like no of course i've been vegetarian by this time for um 20 like seven, yeah yeah no about 17 years at that, yeah. by that time mm. i've been vegetarian 17 years and it's it's sheep's ass and it's in the morning and and everybody's like take a chunk of the the potato and i bit in it and it was just like a chunk of fat and i'm throwing up on tv and the host is like you couldn't have even eaten that for a million dollars and i couldn't and what i wish i did is i wish i would have said look this is meat i don't eat meat and i would have walked that way but the competitive person i was i, I try to do it and probably that who knows the way things turned out but it was it was it was super frustrating because i wish i could have competed um without something like that but um, it's all part of it's all part of the journey, and um, we were eliminated in Kazakhstan, and then the show ended up um, uh, to going to uh, Russia, which is really weird because I actually had gone to Russia with Sarah, so I think we probably would have done pretty well there because we actually mm. were just like a couple months earlier there, and then it ended in uh, Portland, Oregon, which is another city I know really well because my best friend Lee is from there, so I I've been to Portland a couple times, so. Um, you know, it's, it's the way it goes. Uh, it is super intense. I wish I could be on the show again. I wish I could be on it now. I wish I could be on it. Um, representing back on my feet, hoping to raise money for a charity. Um, I probably went on it with the wrong mindset, hoping to win the money to pay back my gambling debt. Um, you know, mm. but it's, it's a life lesson. I learned so much about myself after watching myself on TV. I didn't, I always thought I was kind of like chill, like enjoyable guy, but I'm, I'm super intense and, and they conveyed that. Um, some of the stuff was a little bit frustrating. They conveyed it in a way that made me look like I was slow. And I was like, I actually take pride in how fast I am as a runner. <laughs> so like you can make me you can make me look like a not nice person, but don't make me look like a slow, not nice person. Um, <laughs> but in all actuality, um, I learned so much of it. Uh, I learned so much. Excuse me. I learned so much about myself that if I had the opportunity to do it again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, would I be as intense as I am? I don't see myself being able to change that, but maybe I'll be able to take a beat and mm. um, be more present to the person I'm with and be be cooler. But who knows? I yeah, mean, I think you've got, just from the, the times we've met, I think there's two parts of you. I think you can be super chill. The day we met you, we were chilling out, you know, having having lunch at Organic Grill and um, we walked away thinking, dude, that guy was super chill. And then... I can see passion and intensity as well. Um, talking about stuff that you love. So yeah, I don't, yeah, whatever comes across yeah. like that's, that's what it, it is, what it is. I, I suppose mm -hmm. you can't really control what they do in the, in the editor's room. No, you can't. Two things before we wrap this up. Um, I wish we had, you know, more time to just mm -hmm. go to go a little longer, but where is your running at now? Mm -hmm. You know, not growing up as a runner, mm -hmm. finding running later in life, doing the New York City Marathon. Are you continuing or do you see more challenges along the way for yourself? Um, since since I'm here in Boston, there's something I do need to talk about um, um, and it, it relates to running. So I'll answer your question. Um, when I, you know, watching September, being where, where, being where I was in September 11th and watching the towers fall, sent me to a really dark, destructive place. Um, I happened to be here the the day of the Boston bombing, and I was a block away when that happened. Mm. And, it, and I ran to the Charles, and I was with my buddy Chris, and 
he was doing the double, which is you start at the finish line and you run to the start and then you run the race. I didn't have a bib that year, so I just ran the streets with him in the morning and then I cheered people on. Um, and then I was, you know, at the finish, kind of where the bombs were. And, and when I sat at the Charles and I was with my buddy Chris and I was watching this mother with her her child and, and the child was freaking out and I was showing them a picture of my dog just trying to calm people down and the police cars and the FBI and everybody racing and sent me to a place where I wanted to, I don't know if I want to say be at service, but just help other individuals. And um, I've been really blessed with having my guardian angel, my older brother that's not here, watch over me. Um, and uh, I've had some really great breaks and some, some really super supportive friends and family. Um, so where is my running now? And I hope where it is for the rest of my life is of just like really appreciation and gratitude and hopefully helping people if i if i run with somebody always try to have a, a smile some enjoyment look it hurts my hamstring hurts right now i'm not running quite as fast as i'd like to um but i get to run i don't have to i get to run it's a choice and it's a beautiful choice that i get um so my running now is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the executive director for a nonprofit, executive director for Back on My Feet, um, New York City's chapter, where we combat homelessness through the power of running. There's a Boston chapter, there's an L.A. chapter, San Francisco, Austin, Atlanta. Uh, we're in 12 cities, you know, Boston. I said that uh, Baltimore, D.C., uh, Chicago, Indianapolis, Philadelphia. I mean, Dallas, we're in 12 cities. We're, so you can check us out. But um, where I am now is I'm still running. I'm, I'll be running my 16th consecutive New York. I don't ever plan on stopping that um, streak just because it's a really beautiful reminder for me. Um, it is my city. Um, I'm a guest in that city. Um, but for that day, I get to run the streets and I get to throw cups um, on the floor. But I normally try to get them in the trash cans. But I, I miss a bunch. Um, and you know New York Roadrunners put on a great race and they pick up all the cups and um, I get to run through five boroughs and there's 50,000 plus other people that are doing the exact same thing so where I am is I, I, I just want to you know even the pain is a great reminder that I'm alive that I that again I get to do this and it's not it's not easy. I, you know, even when I ran fast, it wasn't easy. Even when I run slow, it's not easy. But it, it's so enjoyable. Um, just the other day, I was running on the West Side Highway, and I, I was with my dog, and I made friends with somebody and gave him my card. Hopefully, we go for a run. If we don't, but hopefully that little impact I had on somebody was cool. Like, I get to give a little bit of, like, joy. It's amazing. The organization back on my feet, what you guys are doing is, you know, huge, huge for the community. Mm -hmm. um, as I've traveled across the United States, walked the streets here in Boston, homelessness is, you know, a real um, problem that we, we have and that, I don't know, maybe we already have the resources to to put there but we're not mm -hmm. i'm talking about levels that i don't have any control mm -hmm. over but we must have the resources because i'm seeing resources go to other things that are mm -hmm. you know are not helping humans um as much as you guys are so it's 
that side of it is frustrating for me but organizations like um back of my feet are doing yeah awesome work and Mm -hmm. it's through the power of running that these guys are able to gain their independence back more or less Mm -hmm. so if you want to go into a a little bit how their lives are affected by Mm -hmm. running uh, i'd be really intrigued yeah um it's well back my feet what we do is we work with men and women in shelters and facilities and we um they run every monday wednesday and friday with us from 5 30 to 6 30 in the morning and from that um they they do that for a month we ask them to do that for a month and do it 90 percent attendance really um uh, excellence and then from that they get into our next steps program where they're eligible for financial aid and we help them with job training because ultimately we want to gauge success by helping um, we use the term members. These are the men and women we serve. We help them get employed, and uh, you know that's how we gauge success. We help them with employment through our partners, and it's really like an innovative approach. It's it's that kind of that physical activity that helps the, the your 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 mind. And um, I started as a volunteer, and um, one of the things I really do want to talk about is you know I was just at the farm sanctuary. Um, gala and I was at a great uh, you know event um, uh, last night uh, John Joseph's you know book launch but find things that are passionate to you that resonate with you whether it's homelessness mental illness substance abuse um, animal rights and get involved you never know where it's going to lead to and and I'm not saying get involved um, every single day find the right amount that you can do and that's what happened with me I just was a volunteer and I was like wow these men and women are no different than me and then I, the the job presented itself and I was hired and I was like wow this is this really works and and it was great going to the farm sanctuary galley uh, the other week and I was like wait I, I want to make sure that they know that I, I should give some of my time and my energy towards that because that's something that's also important to me um, there's there's time to do that and find those kind of things so yeah it's great that my passion has been running and working with men and women and raising money and awareness. Um, and sure enough, that's become my job. So, if it, you know, how can you get involved? Okay, you don't live in one of these 12 cities, but you want to run the New York City Marathon. We have charity entries and call me or reach out to me. Um, you know, Matt will uh, put my information, you know, where you could reach out to me. It's Terrence Gertzberg. I'm the only Terrence Gertzberg and all the Gertzbergs know each other. But, you know, find me on any social media, LinkedIn, whatever. And um, there's ways of getting involved. And it's not just the back of my feet. Find something that resonates with you. Find a cause that you care about. You obviously care about something. You're listening to Matt's podcast. Like, get involved. There's, like, there's such great stuff out there. So um, that's what we do. Um, and there's so many volunteers. And there's companies that want to hire members. So there's there's ways to, to give back in your community. And there's ways to give back if... Back of my feet's not even there, but um, and again, back of my feet is 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 one of them. But there's such there's such great ones out there. Yeah. And I think to link all that back up, it gets back to what you were saying about doing. Mm-hmm. We can't just talk about wanting to help or mm-hmm. wanting to do. Take small steps if that's the way it's gonna mm-hmm. work out for you. Definitely take the small steps to get involved or to progress yourself mm-hmm. um, by getting involved in activities or um, anything that is is true to you and, and that you really want to um, do for a long time and, mm-hmm. and you know, you want to progress throughout life. Before we head off, 
Leadville 100. It's something you've attempted twice. Correct. This is no joke, guys. This is at altitude in Colorado, Leadville, Colorado, 100 miles of trail running. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge event. It's getting more and more well-known here. Um, it's very well known amongst the the running community, but I feel like it's getting more traction through media um, and some cool um, people that do documentaries. I did see like Billy Yang did a a film on it. Um, but yeah, what has been your experience? Obviously, your marathon running has has brought you here. Eventually, you've you've pushed and pushed to to you know have the the confidence to attempt at a hundred miler how did you go on these attempts mm-hmm. and are you looking to to do it again in the future you know it's um yeah thanks for bringing up leadville it's it's uh it's definitely uh, you know a, a monkey on my back that uh, i've i've attempted it twice and i have two dnfs for anybody who doesn't know dnf is did not finish um, it's a hundred miles, it's 50 miles out and 15 miles back, but it's actually like 51 and a half miles. And so it ends up being 103, but I'll have to let you know how it truly is when I finish it. And if you finish in under 25 hours, you get a big belt buckle. It's like a gold belt buckle. And then if you finish in under 30 hours, um, you get a smaller belt buckle. It's silver. And I, I think that one's, they nickname it the sufferers belt buckle. There's a finishers and a sufferers. But, and if you don't finish in under the 30 hours, it's again, a DNF did not finish. I attempted it two years ago. Um, it was extremely humbling. Um, there's time cutoffs along the way. So if you don't make the cutoffs, they say you're done. Um, and that's it. You're done. And oftentimes you're like, no, I'm going to keep going. But when they say you're done, you're like, okay, great. Thanks. I'm done. I appreciate you taking it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be done. Um, and then, you know, I really try to go at it again this year and really try to train properly. And then my T band seized up and, uh, you know, I'm not here. Look, I've been running long enough to know that it, it's life. And there, there was, I tried my best to push through and I wanted to quit. And, um, the race director, this guy named Ken, he says a very famous thing. He goes, if you want to know how never to be alone, is you make friends with pain. And let me tell you, I had a lot of friends along that 51-mile that journey, and it was painful. And um, when they said I'd miss a time cutoff, I was very happy to see my friend Victoria and Matt and go out to dinner with uh, my wife, Rachel, and my other friend, Michael, and, and, and just kind of like celebrate the, the, the attempt. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I went for it. Um, not every time when you get outside to do something are you going to accomplish what you set out for. Um, But again, that I learned probably more in that 15 hours and 33 minutes about myself and my ability to push through pain, my ability to have that kind of conversation just like Matt did. Oh my God, this is her. This hurts. Why did I eat that? Oh my God, I'm flying. Like I could, I could do really well. Oh my God, this is horrible. The wheels have completely come off the bus. So like you have all these um, highs and lows and roller coaster rides and, and then you go up a five mile hill and then you try to run down it and you don't and you fall and, and people help you up literally like fall on the ground and trip over things and people literally help you up. And then sometimes um, they do it figuratively. Um, so um, it was great. It was, it was great. Um, I, I will tempt another hundred. 
Uh, maybe I'll try some at, um, not at 10,200 feet <laughs> elevation and going up over 12,600 feet. Um, but um, I will attempt one, you know, at sea level and, and, and get that finishing thing. It, I haven't ran overnight, so I'm excited about what that experience is like. But um, who knows? Who knows what the future holds for me in that one? But right now, my focus um, uh, is twofold, and I made that focus. Um, I made that kind of promise to myself during Leadville, and the focus was two things. Um, my uh, family, which is family and friends, and um, my job. And um, to really focus on some of that ultra stuff, uh, it takes another level of mm -hmm. dedication and really need to get out there and, and be running in that kind of terrain. And that's not where I want to be right now. So I know where I want to put my energy and uh, run for 15, uh, 15 and a half hours. You get some pretty good clarity on where you want to be. Beautiful, man. I think that's a really good spot to, uh, to wrap it up. I've loved that. That was a great experience having this conversation with you. I appreciate the time uh, that you gave up today. I know you're only here for a you know a really short period here in Boston, but yeah, from the outset you were you were keen on um, on giving that time up. So yeah, really really stoked to have met you, to have you on the show as a guest, and yeah, I'd love to meet you somewhere along the way on our travels and to yeah to continue. Uh, our friendship so thank you very much man coach t it's my, been a pleasure my pleasure thank you all for listening i hope uh hope you uh, get outside and run and listen to this uh during the run or while you're exploring but thank you again matt for uh, the time and giving me this opportunity and thank you all for listening beautiful thanks guys go do something go do something you heard the man hey everyone i hope you really enjoyed terence's story I'd like to fill you in on a little bit more of what I've been able to experience with Terence and also his organization since the recording. So the same night as the recording, Anna and I were lucky enough to attend the Boston Chapters Gala for Back on My Feet. We sat on the same table as a man who would be making a speech that very night. We thought he was a director of some sorts for the company. However, we could see he was nervous about the upcoming speech in front of quite a large crowd. And little did we know, he was a man with an absolutely incredible story. He'd battled alcoholism and homelessness, and back on my feet had changed his life. It wasn't easy for him, but he spoke with pride and confidence of what he had accomplished. And Anna and I were absolutely amazed, and I think... There were some tears rolling down cheeks as he walked off the stage and back towards our table. Secondly, I got the chance to do an early morning run with Back On My Feet in New York City. This was with the ABC team who run in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So this is a volunteer experience any runner or person looking to volunteer should look into. So if there is a Back On My Feet chapter near you, um, absolutely reach out to them and see if you can volunteer and, and help the early wake-up call is nothing compared with what these men and women are going through so it was a very small opportunity to help out terence has been an amazing friend in the short space of time we have known each other so i'd like to once again thank him for giving up his time and uh, for coming on the show I'll see you all again next week for another episode of Veg Talk and some more continuity with the releases of the show. 
thank you so much for sticking around the past month. I really do appreciate the support.